on what's up y'all welcome back to the 1025 podcast and today i'm gonna do something a little bit different today i'm joined by one of my closest friends and honestly one of my favorite people in the world brianna <laughs> and how you doing brianna at first first doing good doing good thank you how are you I'm doing phenomenal. I'm so great to uh, talk to you. And today we're going to be talking about one of the most highly anticipated films of this year, to be honest with you. And that is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, of course, for anyone who doesn't know, Zack Snyder's Justice League or the Snyder Cut, as we all know of it, is the director's cut of the 2017 film Justice League, which Zack Snyder originally was directing until a tragic family tragedy involving his daughter and he had to leave production. So Warner Brothers thought it was a great idea to bring Josh Whedon, of course, we know of him as the director of the Avengers films, to finish the film. And in return, not a lot of people dug that movie. And then fans, of course, wanted that film, wanted the Snyder Cut, as it was called, to be made and to be finished so people can watch it. And then I believe uh like early last year excuse me during the whole pandemic Zack Snyder announced I think on a watch party of Man of Steel that he was releasing the Snyder Cut and as you know we've all seen it and this is going to be a spoiler filled discussion and I have to say well first Brie because I never saw the original uh theatrical cut back in 2017. okay what were your thoughts on that 2017 film and when you actually watched the Snyder Cut? Okay, so I actually saw that, uh, not, sorry. <laughs> okay, so I actually saw Justice League in theaters when it came out. Um, me, me and my brother, we originally went to go see Thor Ragnarok, which, you know, saved the whole Thor franchise, of course. And I believe that going to see that movie before a Marvel movie before and going to see uh, that DC movie after, it really just usually, I would have thought, oh, you know, it's, it's a DC movie. They didn't do too great. And that's that. But being able to compare the two, like the, like everything Marvel can achieve and how they set it up and just the same things that DC tried to do and didn't really get to it. They kind of fell flat a lot. Yeah. Um, seeing the original, I didn't think it was too great originally, but um, rewatching and because I watched it again before the Snyder Cut, and it's still not too good. And the Snyder Cut really improves on everything. It's it's justice. It's what Justice League could have been, and then some. Okay. Now I personally have always been a fan of DC growing up. You know, I remember when I was younger watching the uh justice league cartoon as well as justice league unlimited on cartoon network mm -hmm. as well as the the batman and uh the original teen Titans. so going into the snyder cut i was expecting because i personally do enjoy the dc films i love man of steel that's one of my uh personal favorites batman v superman i thought was okay suicide squad didn't really like that one <laughs> wonder woman i thought was okay this is cool good, yeah never saw justice league as they called it right so when i press play and watch the whole film because i watched it all in one sitting right and i have to say i have to say i absolutely loved this film i loved it and you know during this time period now that we're in the the oversaturation of comic book movies 
the fact that one came out of one of the most beloved teams in comic book history and to actually be a really good film instead of like everybody was going to kind of call it an avengers ripoff and all that and you know dc should be like marvel and we'll get to that in like a few seconds i definitely think that if this was released in 2017 it would have probably gave marvel a run for their money basically it definitely would have and i believe that because you haven't seen justice league the what came out in 2017 you're able to see it with fresh eyes you know like this is this is it for you as a dc comic fan you know this is what we should have gotten all along which i i think it's great i do and when it comes to when it comes to dc films i've always been the person i've always been the main one arguing with fans that dc should not be like marvel DC should never in a million years try to be like Marvel because for one DC was the originator of dark and gritty films comic book films you know if you go back to the Tim Burton Batman movies that had a very gothic you know style Mm -hmm. to it of course the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy that was like the uh thing that paved the way for dark films even staying in the realm of Zack Snyder Watchmen was dark you know yeah Watchmen definitely is one of those films that of course is also very polarizing when it comes to the comic book community like a lot of Zack Snyder's films definitely polarizing Watchmen Batman versus Superman uh I don't want to I I don't consider Justice League from 2017 Zack Snyder's film that's Josh Whedon's film that's a Frankenstein Yeah, that's a Frankenstein yeah. version. Because it, it's especially like you would mention Frankenstein. You can tell like the characterization within it. It's like it's not as if one person wrote it. It's as it's like you got a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and it's all amalgamated something that's not too great. Yeah, and you know when people heard the news that he would be stepping down. From the as the director of Justice League, and they were going to bring in Josh Whedon. And people were like, "Oh my God, he's going to make the movie great now right, because right. he directed Avengers the first two one. Avengers films." Right. Now, me personally, and I've told you this, I'm not really the biggest fan of the first two Avengers films. I right. like Age of Ultron. I think Age of Ultron is okay. I think I it's love okay. Age of Ultron. Underrated movie. The 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 same like hate that they give Age of Ultron, I think it's the same amount of hate that they give like Man of Steel and uh, Spider-Man 3 from Tobey Maguire. But when I heard that they were bringing Josh Whedon in, I'm like, his style of writing isn't going to work for Justice League. It's going to work for Avengers. Like Tony Stark is very comedic. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, everyone else is like the serious type. You know, in this, in justice league from what i've seen of like certain clips flash is very like out of place he yeah seems... that's that's another big thing he took his experience from marvel in the marvel formula that he would that he that you impose on those characters where it's like it's kind of serious it's kind of intense but there's also a lot of jokes and clips during it yeah he took that and put it in justice league which it shouldn't have been justice league should take itself seriously and joss we didn't didn't he he applied the marvel formula to a dc movie we see right. why that didn't work right it, it doesn't work because even in the certain trailers because i watched all the trailers leading up to justice mm-hmm. league they treated like batman and flash's relationship similar to tony stark and peter parker yeah and i'm just thinking to myself 
even that doesn't really work in the MCU because from what I remember in Marvel comics, Peter Parker hates Tony Stark. Like in the Civil War comics, like it's like right. I don't really yeah. like you, but I'm gonna you know help Tolerate. you. You know, we we have to we have to do this so. Might as well, you know. Now let's uh get talk. Whoa, let's get started on talking about the film. First, I want to say the opening is great. It shows the death of Superman as we saw at the end of Batman versus Superman, Mm -hmm. and the way that it was the composition of it, I think, is beautiful. The cinematic quality as we hear his screams across the whole world, and they wake up the mother boxes. And, you know, for those who pretty much don't know, the mother boxes are basically a bunch of cubes and they form the unity, which reveals the anti-life equation, what dark side is after. And we'll get to dark side in a few. I also, like I told you. um, It's good. I like the opening sequence also, but I think that anything would have beat the original 2017 opening version. Uh, It was superman with his uh cgi really bad uh mustache it was it was was gross yeah but that kind of they just tried to use that as a recap of you know the uh superman dying and that didn't work at all it it didn't work it looked odd and out of place even in the movie so this one is miles ahead this opening sequence is miles ahead already and we're what two seconds in yeah, like the and, and this is basically because this film technically really is like a mini series, you know what I'm saying? It's it not is, really it a film, of course, it's four hours. And when I heard that, I was thinking to myself, How is that gonna be? Now, granted, I can't be given this flack for being four hours when I sat through three hours of Avengers right. Endgame I mean, and yeah. I had to go to the bathroom a few times. I was like, Nah. But since this is in, since I'm in the comfort of my own house, I'm like, okay, this can, I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Definitely help the release, it, it being a home release. Yeah. And I, and certain people have seen this in theaters and I'm just like, y'all lucky. Cause I could, I couldn't do that. I'm sorry. You know, I actually, um, I actually looked up if there were any theaters near me that were playing it in theaters. Cause I would have paid any amount of money to see this movie in theaters. I would have. <laughs> And um, the aspect ratio too, I, I didn't um, take that into account at all. Yeah. So when we went to watch this, me and my brother, um, he has this projector. We're setting it up, we're trying to figure out what wall to put on, get the widest screen. And it just, we, we set it up. It was it took up the whole wall. And then it turns out when we turn the movie on, it's, uh, what was it? One, one, three ratio, one, four ratio? It was, and I, and I like that you brought up the aspect ratio, Brie it's a four by three aspect ratio right and when i watched it it had a little thing that said this film will be presented in four by three aspect ratio to respect zach snyder's integrity yeah right yeah the reason why it's four by three i and this is what i think uh why it's four by three four by three aspect ratio is basically the aspect ratio that a lot of tvs were back in the day when tvs were Mm -hmm. square nowadays when tvs are more rectangular it takes up the whole screen like imax now i was wondering i was like okay because i thought that was going to be very distracting the aspect ratio but watching the film it's it's not really distracting it's actually and they um i read an article about it and they said it's to 
uh, enhance how the how the heroes in the movie move. They they're more um, they're flying and like swinging hammers down and things like that. So mm-hmm. it kind of it gives that a little more being up and down rather than left and right because they're not really you know they're not really flying characters like that. Yeah, like characters don't really fly like this. They usually fly like you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now let me see. I I really dug dug the action in the film. Of course, since this is a comic book film, it needs to have amazing action. And I think the action scenes are definitely intense, even though you kind of know that, you know, these characters are going to be okay. You Mm -hmm. really dig the fact that Zack Snyder, being a visionary director, can, can just create beautiful scenes that are literally if you pause it it literally looks like a painting you know what i'm saying like or like a still out of a like comic, like comic book panel. exactly right and that's the biggest thing like he he gets it he understands right. that these movies are for comic book fans they should look like comic books and he, he nails that every time absolutely yeah now the next thing i want to talk about is the villain now the villain in this film is Steppenwolf. And when I heard that they were going to be doing Steppenwolf, I was like, who is, like, who the heck is that? <laughs> right. and, and, you know, I saw the design of the 2017 film, and I thought that that design looked kind of, it, it almost reminded me a lot of a Pixar villain, kind of, because it looks too kid-friendly. And yeah. even though that, that design is a little bit more comic accurate to, so like, the New 52 Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. It just looked too kid friendly because I think somebody said that the reason why that design was in the film because it was too scary for kids. But the design of Steppenwolf in this film is a way better. It's very much like that. That was one of the first things I noticed about like the movie. It's it's color grade actually. The first one was really, and they're known for being gritty and washed out, but it was kind of icky looking. Yeah, they kind of they upgrade. They stepped it up in the Snyder cut and that applies to Stephen Wolf in his uh character and design also. Yeah. I think he looks great in this one. The last the uh 2017 version he was he looked in the face. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was just, the face. Yeah, it was the face. But in Zack Snyder's Justice League his even his armor is shinier. It stands out more. He looks more defined as a character. And it moves a lot. It's like a nanotech, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 very nanotech. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, I thought was weird because this design in the film isn't really as comic accurate as that 2017 one. Like, the design of Steppenwolf in this film honestly reminds me of Megatron from the Bayverse Transformers movies where he looks like just a walking a man with, like, knives all over his body and stuff like that. But the thing that I really dug about Steppenwolf, and he's one of my favorites in this uh, film, he actually has a very compelling character arc. You know, he's not the, I want to destroy things because I just want to. He actually, the main thing, he just wants to come back to Apocalypse. He wants to be redeemed. Like, redeemed, and I, you know. that, that was great, because we didn't get, we didn't really get that in the 2017 version. Um, we don't really get much of his motives he we know he wants them he wants the mother boxes and that's about it but in this one we are given motive tons of motive and yeah. you know he, he works under dark side we, we know that from the get-go he says i 
you know, I'm doing this for Dark Side. Yeah. Uh, he wants redemption, and he's trying to to to, to get his approval. And it's it for, for him for Steppenwolf. It's a redemption story. Right. For and and that's what I really dug. I think the best villains are the ones that you understand why they're doing the things right. that they're doing. Right. And Steppenwolf definitely was a a highlight of this film and. We'll get to the other standout characters in a few, but I also really dug the voice acting when it came to Steppenwolf, as well as the other Apocalyptians as well, like Desaad and uh, Darkseid. I think Darkseid's voice was done perfectly. And his design also was very intimidating too. Of course, a lot of people were saying, oh, he looks like a Thanos ripoff. But then again, I'm like, Darkseid came first. So technically, Thanos low key is a dark side <laughs> clone, you know what I'm saying? Like and dark side is Thanos' dad. <laughs> <laughs> I understand uh you said you like dark side's uh design more. In and we were touching on earlier uh Steppenwolf's design. When it comes to making these comic book movies, you have to you have to give a little bit in terms of design because it that's hand drawn, right? This is CG yeah. and technology. You have yeah. to give a little bit of, of you know it can't always look as accurate as the comic books because sometimes as we've seen it doesn't work it's it's ugly yeah. sometimes there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of yeah there's i'm sorry to cut you off there's a lot of comic book designs that don't look they they don't translate well in live action like, like a good example of that i would say is uh the green goblin from spider-man like that design does not work <laughs> We had the the Power yeah, Rangers suit. <laughs> we had the Power Rangers suit in uh the first Spider-Man movie, and then we had some like snot goblin looking <laughs> troll in the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, it doesn't work. Another one being Electro, like that original right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mask, like yellow mask, that looks stupid to me. It does. And then look when good. Jamie. And then when Jamie Foxx portrayed him, he's all blue and he has like this generic armor look to it. But but then again, some designs work like uh, Captain America. His right. costume. That's perfect. And, you need right. to rip it and straight the page, just put it on and it worked. It's great. But but see, I'm going to be honest with you. The original Jack Kirby look, the original costume for Captain America I thought didn't really look that good, especially his costume in uh, the first Avengers movie. I thought that was horrible. Yeah, the go <laughs> Yeah, but his his suit in uh, Winter Soldier, Civil War, yeah, yeah, yeah. Infinity it, it War. better progressively. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I think Darkseid definitely was much more, he, he was much more intimidating, in my opinion, of a villain. Thanos was intimidating, but you can kind of, he, he's like that type of villain, and this is going to sound really stupid, where you can kind of reason with him, you can kind of sit down and talk to him, even though he would sure. do that, you know? <laughs> they really they really humanized Thanos. Like, that's... They did. Marvel, they, they're really big on humanizing their villains, making them it seem like, you know, they you could sit down and have a talk with them and just relate on some key points. Uh, the right. um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. Um uh black panther uh killmonger killmonger there you go i'm sorry You're killmonger good. uh he he was a villain that you if if killmonger is a bad person so am i because i understand you know it's just 
when it when it came to Killmonger, I understood what you were doing. I understand why, but then at right. the same time, I was and right. I I wouldn't have gone about it the same way. Right. I understand what you were coming from, where he was coming from. At the same time, I was on T'Challa's side the whole time. I was like, if the world knew what Wakanda possessed, then they would just take take it all, basically. But then okay. I understand he you know, came around. Damn, we just they made this all. Not so black and white, but that there's a ton of gray. Yeah. When it comes to villains. Damn, we just went into a whole Marvel discussion. <laughs> but going back to let's go back to DC. Sorry. I think. Let me see. I think Dark Side definitely and later on on this episode, we'll kind of talk a little bit about the plan that Zack Snyder originally was gonna do for these the Snyder verse, his sequels. Because right. of course, you know, news has came out recently that Warner Brothers is not there. They like, nah, we gave yeah, you they, they, the Snyder <laughs> cut. Don't ask us for anything else again. We're done with Zack Snyder. Screw him. Let's go on. I think the idea that Dark Side was gonna come to Earth and do the whole nightmare thing. I think that was insanely interesting. It is set up beautifully for, for multiple other films. It it was great. So well, that that's that kind of be, be uh be out of order, but I'll, I'm bring up the nightmare sequence. Well, Let's bring it, up. Let's bring it up. Okay, so with that and Batman having premonition and all this other thing stuff, um, for that future, he set it up beautifully for another film, two more films, three more films. Oh yeah, it's just the 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 dominoes set in place by him, uh, uh with. I'm sorry. Uh, Flash, like going Wade. back in time and warning Bruce. Yeah, that uh, with, with Slade, you know, and, and uh, uh, Cyborg and Mira and yeah. Joker and all of them. There's so many more threads that he could pull on in, in future films. And for them to shut that down, that's kind of sad to me. I'm not going to lie, though. When watching the Snyder Cut, I was actually more excited for that, that sequence, the nightmare sequence, because I was thinking to myself, okay, what if they actually shot like a whole separate film in this nightmare realm? I think that would have been so interesting because I really dig, you know, post-apocalyptic movies. Like one of my favorite films is Mad Max Fury Road, which this really reminded me of. I was like, okay, I would like to see a Mad Max inspired Justice League film. You know what I'm saying? Hell, I would like to see a, a Mad Max inspired Transformers film. I think that would be really in fucking interesting. But like, and then, you know, when Cyborg has those dreams about what actually happens when you touch the mother box and you see like Dark Side uh, at Wonder Woman's funeral, which I thought that is so disrespectful. Like, <laughs> you have Wonder Woman's mom literally crying, like, as she's cremating her daughter. And then you have this nigga in a ship, literally <laughs> just like, he had to make sure she was right. dead. Let me, let, me, let me pop in real quick. Be sure. Right. Let me make sure she's dead. <laughs> and then he he stabs Aquaman with his own trident. His own and trident, then yep. one of the things I thought was so cool was when he uses his, I was about to say heat vision, his omega beams to kill the other Atlantean. You can kind of see it spells out the word end. Did you kind of see that? I didn't catch uses, that, no. When he uses his omega beams, it kind of spells out E-N-D and then kills the Atlantean that is straight up out of a comic book like i could pause that and be like oh my god like, i was thinking to myself like okay 
And of course, I gotta go back to Thanos because this is the only villain that I can compare to him. Yeah, you could draw some letters for sure. It's like, okay, you killed Loki. Loki's getting his own Disney Plus show. Okay. You killed Heimdall. Nobody really gave a shit about Heimdall. <laughs> and then you snap your fingers and then everybody turned into dust, which I know that still traumatizes you. I'm playing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but with Darkseid, he was like, no, nah, I'm not snapping nobody. I'm literally stabbing you, Easy. breaking your neck. I'm doing. Yeah. He wants that action. He's getting right. physical with it. He, you know? he literally Omega. I think he, I don't know if it was him or Superman, Omega being the lowest. And just that scene where, low. I mean, Superman is holding Lois. It looks like a burnt ass, like skeleton and shit. I was like, yeah, yeah. damn, this man don't You're play. Vicious. <laughs> this is serious. I for real. If they restore the Snyderverse, which I I hope they do, I, they I do really. If, if we could get them to bring the Snyder cut, then I really do think that we could get them to you know give us the Snyderverse. Let's you let's know? do it. You know, like I really want to see this nightmare storyline. I think this man. I think this story has so much potential to be probably even better than Infinity War and Endgame. I'm sorry. I know. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I know Marvel fans and Kevin Feige might might <laughs> beat me up for it, but like I could see that. Now, going to the Justice League characters, I think the benefit of the four-hour runtime is that each character is fleshed out to perfectly. Fleshed out perfectly. Bruce so Wayne. The development they need. Yeah. For sure. Bruce Wayne, of course, he started his arc in Batman v Superman. He had this resentment towards Superman. And of course, with his death, it affected him in a way that was like, I can't, you know, let him die in vain. You know, and he brings these characters together. Because from what I had seen in the 2017 cut, Bruce Wayne low-key was predicted as like a, a dumbass, sort of. And just a goofball in a way. I'm thinking to myself... <laughs> This is Batman. This is the Dark Knight. He Dark Knight shouldn't be a uh, Batman shouldn't be like a goofball, even though you know with the Adam West. Right, um, he'll have moments, but right. overall, he takes himself very seriously. Exactly, and then you have uh, Wonder Woman, who you know, and I haven't seen Wonder Woman eighty four. I've heard it's kind of trash. It. I heard yeah. it's kind of trash, but like you know, her. I think Zack Snyder truly he gets that character of wonder woman she yeah. had some of the best action scenes in the film you know she kind of blames herself for abandoning themiscira as steppenwolf pretty much destroyed it you know what i'm saying yeah. killed all the amazonian warriors and stuff well a few of them you know Wonder woman's mom was still alive and i just think gal gadot who portrays wonder woman mm -hmm. did a great job with her performance and her action is really good. Now, the one thing that I find was a little bit annoying her was theme. her her light motif. <laughs> yes. I'm just thinking to myself, okay, when it first <laughs> comes on, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is great. Right. It's great the first time. The second time, it was I was like, okay. And then it was, and it's just, ooh. it's just, she, anytime she does something, that light motif just soars that, yeah. oh, oh. I was like, what? And her theme originally in Batman v Superman with the, the violent, aggressive violins and stuff, I'm like, that's cool, but yeah. when you they, they, they really laid, they laid on thick. They laid that shit on thick. <laughs> For four like, hours? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's like when you first hear it, it's like, oh my God, this is awesome. It was, it then was amazing. When you hear it so many other times, it's like, okay, stop. That's like if in, let's say, Avengers Infinity War, they kept playing the Avengers theme every two seconds of the film. You know what I'm saying? The burn, 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 burn. Like, no, I don't want to hear that. But. <laughs> I understand completely. That was definitely one of my complaints during the movie, not even after. During, I was like, how many times could we hear this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's next? Now, and then um, Jason Momoa's Aquaman. I was thinking, okay, Aquaman in this movie is cool. Because I remember watching Aquaman, I think with you when we were at Upper Bound. I think yeah, we yeah, on yeah. The bus. And, and, the bus. and I thought, I thought, Aquaman was okay personally. I thought yeah. I was like, eh, eh, it's cool. And he's yo, this film sets up that Aquaman film on why he hates his mom and you know, all Atlanteans and stuff like that. And then he grows to actually care about people, you know, care about the league and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was really much to Aquaman in that film, but he did his part. You know, he was funny, he was badass, and he just sure. did his part. But my two favorite characters in the film is uh barry allen the flash and of course cyborg i let's start with i'm gonna start with uh cyborg first because he is the heart of this film he's the hardest film and i've always been a fan of the character of cyborg from the original teen titans uh show one thing though a lot of people was like oh my god he doesn't say booyah in the film oh this is trash burnable fire i'm just thinking to myself and it was very forced he shouldn't have i'm glad he didn't say it because it probably would have been forced again Excuse me. Yeah, I'm just thinking to myself, that's a catchphrase. Like, you know, it's like if you watch Ninja Turtles, you don't want to hear them saying Cowabunga all the time. Or when you hear Transformers, watch Transformers, you don't want to hear Optimus Prime say roll out, transform and roll out all the time. Like, or, or, or Captain America say Avengers assemble every 10 seconds, even though. Ooh, <laughs> Even though in Affinity, even though in Endgame, I thought that it, shit was badass. When he needed it, not like, just to it. throw it out there. There was no point where a booyah would have fit naturally right. and felt earned, you know? You, right. You have to earn one of those. You don't just, booyah, booyah, no. Booyah, while he's trying to, you know, separate the mother boxes and stuff. <laughs> that would have been great. Or booyah, hey, booyah when uh, uh, the unity explodes, literally, and it just blew up the earth. But I think Cyborg had the best arc in the film because, you know, he's a character who you see, you get a lot of his backstory. This technically, this low-key is a Cyborg origin story. It is, yeah, for sure. And I just love the scene where his dad actually, you know, explains to him what his powers are about. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The scene where, in this scene, almost, I almost cried when I saw the scene. The scene where he hacks the uh ner- the waitress's bank account and right. gives her all that money i was thinking to myself that is so i was thinking to myself that is such a heartwarming moment because it shows that he cares about people and he you he know does. he's not the, the yeah. he's not just some heartless robot you know even though he is a robot because in he the original, even look like that you know right that's not even exactly because even in the 2017 cut, what I've heard is that Cyborg was just a mopey, brooding, emo yeah. robot. And I'm just thinking to myself, 
they've improved a lot on this character. Yeah. They took in the, in the 2017 version, Cyborg. He's he's not really with the team by choice. He's like, okay, there's this world-ending threat. I might as well help you guys because I have the power to. But in the Snyder cut, he they give him a lot more. We give him his backstory, his motivations. We get so much character development for him. It really is a cyborg origin story because he is the heart of it. Yeah. Like, he's the catalyst to pretty much everything. All of this, you know. And, and I definitely, because I've heard, you know, rumors of Ray Fisher's beef with uh Josh Whedon you know yeah. like Josh Whedon's conduct on the film I really hope Ray Fisher comes back to play Cyborg because I definitely think he was the standout of the the film and before I started this podcast I actually read an article that apparently Josh Whedon is being blacklisted in Hollywood now really? and for those who don't know what blacklisted is basically you're being blackballed in the industry so like people don't want to work with you because of your content. I remember I was doing an interview with a filmmaker uh, for my class. And, you know, I, I kind of brought on that example of like, have you ever seen like one of those TV shows where like the main characters are making like a short film or something. And then the one friend is the director and they become like a douchebag on set or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's a popular trope, yeah. I told, I asked the director that and he said, if that's the energy you're bringing on set, you're immediately blacklisted for that. And I'm thinking to myself, good, because I, when I start making films, I don't want, I'm not going to portray myself as this hot shot filmmaker. Oh, I'm the, I'm the director, so whatever I say goes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just want my films to be a fun experience, because I even remember when I was in high school, one of my friends, we were directing a, a short film. And he turned out to be a major jackass. And I was like, nah, I ain't, I ain't working with you. I ain't working with you. But yeah, I'd really hope Ray Fisher comes back as Cyborg because I definitely think he was great. And if they were to do a Cyborg film, which I hope they do, they would probably poke a lot of influence from, of course, like films such as Blade Runner, uh, Ghost in the Shell, because, you know, Ghost in the Shell in cyborgs arc throughout this film very similar you know i'm talking about the an i'm talking about the anime not the one with scarlett johansson one. i was thinking to myself huh. even though i kind of dug that film but not compared to the original First thought, it was okay but then i was i thought about it i was like mm, it wasn't yeah. <laughs> you should watch the original anime it's actually really good though now now getting to ezra miller's flash I was I was I was a little bit skeptical because I was like comic relief characters in comic book movies are hit or miss. You can you can be a a Peter Quill or you can be a what's an example of a bad comic relief character? I would say mm, you could be like uh, Skids and Mudflap from Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Horrible, horrible characters and not really that good of a movie. I think he was he was serviceable. Ezra Miller as Flash was serviceable. His jokes were actually very funny. He wasn't overly obnoxious like how he was in the 2017 cut from what I've heard. He was very. That was one of the worst parts of the movie. It, 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 I'm not blaming Ezra Miller because for his uh, uh, <clears throat> the character, he just didn't have a good like he didn't have good he didn't have anything good to work with. They what they gave him you know with the script and, and as far as that he didn't have anything good to work with like 
as I was watching the movie with my brother, there was there were, I was looking out for some lines that were in the original that either stayed, got changed, or got cut completely. I'm so glad that a majority of his jokes, his like they were really dumb. There was one where he was first, when he first met Bruce, and he was rambling on and on and on. He like what is brunch even and yeah was i was really dumb it, like, it wasn't funny it was just dumb i was you know? thinking that because like when i was on instagram and they were doing the comparison i'm like okay why the hell are they bringing up brunch a lot like <laughs> do you, do you not, not know what like do you not, not know what brunch is is flash is supposed to be a very intelligent character he is he works he's a cop you know he's a forensic scientist and for him to have for them to reduce him to a brunch joke it just didn't sit right with me you know yeah and i have to say the scene where he reverses time favorite scene in the movie that is that is probably my top in my top three favorite comic book scenes of all time right behind the uh leap of faith from into the spider-verse because you know you know how much i love that scene right and the portal scene from avengers endgame the music that plays throughout this scene. I was when the scene is starting and he enters the speed force and he's seeing that the earth, the earth basically exploded. Like it just blew it, up. It did, yeah, like it, they they lost. They in, lost. In the movie, they lost. They everyone they died. Everyone died. We like see, we saw. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The blast basically obliterated. Like it obliterated Superman. I was thinking to myself. Yeah. I thought he was supposed to be like indestructible. Like how the fuck is this blast? vaporize him what were you saying that's out you want to wait for that to stop the the horn can you hear that I, yeah i can but like okay. it's not really bothering me sorry um, yeah that was a huge thing they lost and immediately flash like okay i know what i have to do we never see characters like flash who have in the comics their power is like 11 in infinite we never see them do the stuff that they that we know they can do, and for us to see that in the Snyder Cut, for him to break the uh, this, tap into the Speed Force and and break through that to rewind time, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like we, we, we would have never gotten that because they always take these characters with these amazing powers and reduce them to mm, pretty moderate for the sake of the film. Yeah, because even in this problem even relates to Superman. Like Superman is one of the most powerful beings in the DC universe. Like there's comics where he literally moves the earth. Like he literally has a harness on. He literally flew and the earth literally was coming with him. There was one where he had this suit on and it had all the mass of the earth, which is like a billion tons or something. And he only broke a sweat, like one sweat. I'm thinking to myself, watching this scene, I, I immediately thought of all of my favorite comic book scenes. And then when he says, you know, I want you to remember that, that your kid was one of them, one of the best to ever do it. I was like, yeah, this is the standout scene. You know, the the crowd pleasing scene in a, in a comic book film. Love it. And then in the finale, when he reverses time, it really reminded me of the film Akira where and if you've ever seen the film akira in the final act our main character kanida is going through like this dimension right and it goes through like his past and his uh tetsuo's past and it literally is just this big cgi just like explosion bro flash definitely had the best scene and then the scene where he rescues iris 
I thought was really cool. Albeit kind of reminded me of the Quicksilver scenes from X-Men yeah, Days Future X-Men Past. Right. Yeah. I, I, it was a good scene to show off. Uh, uh, we're interested in his character and say you don't know what he does. He's fast. He could stop. He could pretty much stop time, time in the bottle, you know. Yeah. Um, it was a good introduction to him, but it was a little bit weird. He had all this time and was just sitting there, you know, just. And he was oh, like, look. Right yeah, he was just like, he was just like. <laughs> there was no like, urgency to it. This girl literally is about to die in slow mo. <laughs> She's like this. Right. And he's like, and he's like, and he gets a hot dog, puts it in his pocket, and is like, okay, let me save her now. I'm just thinking to myself, you don't know this person. Why are you doing that? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I was just like, nah. I mean, I know it's supposed to be cute or whatever, but it's like, if if you never met me, right, and I have super speed and you're doing like this, you're on your way to death. <laughs> and I just take some time to admire how beautiful right. you are. That's no for me. Like, like he literally was just like, so beautiful. I'm like, no, <laughs> nigga, save her. And then the hot dog, that was funny to me. And then, I also, and then I also like when he's about to run, he, his shoes literally just explode yeah. and just. Yeah. A flash problem for sure. Facts. I will, like the Hulk when he busts out his clothes. It's like, right. bro. Now I will <laughs> say though. Little details. And this is a little bit of a nitpick. I didn't really like his run. His run kind of looks like a ballet dancer. He's yeah, really running like this. Look. It, it, we've been clowning his run since 2017. Don't worry. Like his run <laughs> literally is like this. <laughs> Out of all the things they could have kept, they kept him running like that. Right. Like you could have at least hired a you could have hired a track star and he could have been running like this. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know, man. Let me see. What else can we talk about? We got a whole lot of time, so we could just get comfortable and talk about anything. <laughs> but I also think another thing I don't really, I still don't really like is Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. The idea I was thinking to myself, okay, that kind of could work. But Lex Luthor is like the, he's like one of the biggest villains of the dc universe right he's a billionaire he has his own robo suit to fight superman he's a very intimidating figure and then they get jesse eisenberg who i never really could view as intimidating and you know he has this kind of goofy kind of like you know staccato with his voice it's like yeah, yeah, you know, Superman, you like, mean. oh my God, yeah. And he was doing all this like crazy crap. And like one scene in BVS where he was eating a Jolly Rancher and he stuck one of the Jolly Ranchers in the dude's mouth. I'm like, nigga, what are you doing? <laughs> but I understand completely what you mean, but I have to disagree. Oh, I me. am a fan of Jesse Eisenberg. Um, I remember like the first time I saw one of his movies was Zombieland. I've loved Zombieland ever since. Um, he was good in that, he was good in uh the magician movie now you see me but i also think he was a good Lex Luthor, and i see what you mean they definitely gave him some of the jared leto joker treatment in terms of like his mannerisms and we'll get to jared leto too because i like jared leto i think jared leto's jared leto is one of my favorite actors and when he was announced to play joker i was like okay that's perfect because he can definitely play a crazy ass dude watching like 
the the thing with him is his laugh i can't i can't do his laugh his <laughs> laugh is so and that's essential with the joker you have to have a great laugh the creepy ass laugh it's like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> i'm like what are you you yeah, sound like yeah. a dying parrot the la- the joker isn't about his laugh but the laugh does play a big part of his character you know it doesn't make him but right it doesn't make you gotta have the laugh if you're you're the joker you know and he definitely fell flat with the laugh in my opinion also right like it's like it's like he's trying to sound creepy while laughing like (laughs) he sounds like a he sounds like if a dying parrot and an old man with throat cancer had a baby it's like this doesn't (laughs) this doesn't sound good that was a good one (laughs) <laughs> thanks <laughs> like uh like even i didn't like Kristen bale's batman's voice like he sounds like he smoked a lot of yeah. cigarettes and I, you know i, didn't like that either. I do like I really ben did. afflicks where it's a little bit I more love, robotic and his uh um batman and comparing what is his name uh this bruce i'll say ben afflicks batman ben affleck right sorry comparing the two it's batman is a real hit or miss character also you can't try to make him more i guess like i've I've said before he takes himself very seriously but there's also he's doing it for a reason and you can tell when when an actor takes on the role in the character like he's just playing the part like he's just okay dark and gritty that's not it it's dark and gritty and there's a reason there's a drive a force behind him always right see and the thing that i dug about ben affleck's batman voice is the fact that it was very electronically modulated and it right. sounds even more intimidating he does like, yeah. you know like like i remember in the teaser trailer for batman v superman it's i was like whoa when he said like tell me do you bleed you <laughs> will like i'm like that sounds amazing Instead of Christian Bell's where it's like he said he, he smoked it like 20 new parts and he's like he's talking like this and where are they, Rachel? I'm like, yo, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, because Ben Affleck, like his voice is it's not it's, it's not high, but he has a softer voice than yeah. his Batman counterpart. And I I do like that they play into the using the modulator, you know, I'm not trying to hide that it is a modulator that you know is built into this suit, not just he lowers his voice for it. This is something Bruce took it into precaution. Put a mic like in the suit, in the suit, so he can sound the part. That's right. a thing I think. Because I always found that weird in comic books when characters talk. I was thinking because it's even with uh Superman, like when he has glasses. Oh, he's Clark Kent, but when he takes these off, <laughs> oh my God, you're Superman. But then Who when you put you? these on, when the when when he puts his glasses on, it's like, oh, you're you're Clark. You're not Superman. It's like, what? Like, what's going yeah. on with you? That actually made my throat hurt trying to imitate <laughs> Kristen Bell. So now I'm gonna be talking like this throughout the podcast. Yeah, y'all. So Batman, like, sound like I smoked a whole lot of fucking cigarettes. <laughs> oh man, this is this is fun. This is fun. As you can see, I love doing this. This podcast. Yeah, no, and I've, I've noticed. Like I was gonna say, but you're really like you're great at this. Like you have the like first off, your voice is good for it. Like you you look like you you were made to do something like this like presenting <laughs> stuff like you you're really, you're really good 
<laughs> Thanks for gassing me up. I'm like, <laughs> um, now let me let me think. Now, as far as I would say, I know we're going. Let me stop. Let me stop slapping this mic because this shit is gonna fall and be like, oh fuck. But when it comes to, I would say the four hour runtime, I kind of didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. He Zach's like he uses every bit of that four hours for for a purpose. There's no there's no scene that was that could have been cut out because it wasn't important. Uh, maybe a okay. I personally I didn't like the lowest scenes too much. I don't really feel like Lois added too much to the movie, but if Superman, if there's Superman, you have to have Lois. I understand that. Yeah. She is the key to his humanity, which we saw when he was resurrected and he was going crazy. But he, as soon as he saw Lois, no words. He just understood he's back. Clark is back. Superman's there, but Clark is back. The human part of him. And speaking on the lowest scenes, I also think that Martian Manhunter was, he was low-key useless in the film i get that this is the idea that they were trying to do they were going to set him up to be like okay he's going to join the justice league along with like shazam and uh green lantern and you know all of them but it's like okay you introduce him he doesn't do anything he shows up he's designed as you know he disguises himself as martha you know um, clark's mom and then the general from man of steel and i thought okay that was cool and then he shows up on Bruce's doorstep and he's like, yeah, dark side's coming. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if I was Bruce, I was like, okay, where were you? Where were you when, you know, we was getting our butts kicked by Steppenwolf and all that, all of them and the parry demons and all those guys. But I get that, but I, I like how they cameoed him and, and introduced on the low, you know, Marshall Manor. Cause it's, it, this, it wasn't about him. The movie is, isn't about him, but no. he, I don't know. I feel like he was more tied to the Superman thing with Lois. He he needed to make sure that Superman returned. Yeah, that was his part of the movie. Yeah, but I think it was a nice little cameo. They uh, threw him in as Martha, and then at the end with Bruce, just just to let us know that he's there and he will see more of him in the future. Hopefully, because we got to restore that Snyderverse, man. Got to restore it. We got to restore it. If if we could get this film made, then bro come on yeah and that's that's the biggest thing about this whole thing this matter it's the fans yeah we we made this happen you know yeah. with we i don't want to say bully but we kicked up enough you know uh, low-key did <laughs> we low-key did bully warner brothers <laughs> we did and it's but like keep going Marie. keep going Marie. we wanted we wanted to see the director's vision you know yeah. any movie is it's the vision of the director I feel that we, us Snyder Cut fans, we really just wanted to see what it was supposed to be originally, what his view for it, you know? It's like we we, got, we yeah. were kind of owed that. Yeah. And I don't consider, I don't consider this the, like, director's cut. Because you know how the theatrical one is tech technically the original cut and then the director's cut is always labeled the director's cut. This is the original film. Yeah. Whatever Josh Whedon did, I'm just like, and 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 the cinematography in that Josh Whedon film, it just looks really. This is gonna be a huge insult, and I and I really am gonna apologize to anyone who worked on that Snyder. I mean, in the on the Josh Whedon film, it looked very Disney Channel esque, like 
light, vibrant, all colorful and stuff like that. I'm like, this is DC. I don't want to see no color. I want to see the saturation. I want to see people getting beat up. I want to see the dark, gritty streets of Gotham, man. And another thing, they they put a lot of blood here. Like this one's rated R. Yeah, and I was so surprised when I, I was. What is Steppen- that? Right, like when Steppenwolf <laughs> asked that uh, Amazon, I was like, "Whoa!" And yeah. then he like chopped off somebody's head, and then Mira like drained all the water in his body, yeah, and like, yeah, the blood was coming out. Water him. <laughs> yeah, water bending, and then turned <laughs> yeah, into yeah. blood bending. I thought that that was great because we usually never get that impact and oomph from these comic book movies with what yeah. we see like, blood and like not destruction, but. We, we, it never really has any weight to it. Yeah, there's not a lot of consequence to it. You know what I'm saying? Cause like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you. Seeing Steppenwolf kill people and Darkseid kill people, and like Darkseid stepping on Steppenwolf's head was much more impactful to me than than all the Avengers turning into dust. I was like, I was like, okay, like. I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, because I read like the Infinity War. My dumb ass read an Infinity, the Infinity War spoilers. I was like, you know, because I low key didn't really care. And I was thinking to myself, okay, all the Avengers, they die. Okay, how do they die? Do they, you know, get cut, stabbed? They just turn into pixie dust. Like, yeah. I don't feel so good. <laughs> I don't want to go. Look, Steve. <sighs> I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna always love that summer when you was so distraught on Infinity War. <laughs> I was, I was, even go cap, I was. Those man, those were the yeah. times, bro. Sure. Those were the fucking times. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you, the nightmare scene sequence, I definitely think, like seeing Cyborg, Mira, Deathstroke, or Slade, as we all know him from Teen Titans. Flash in the nightmare suit, Joker, Batman, all of that was done perfectly. I I would love to see a TV show, just like a six episode mini series on that. And I also love when Superman comes in and everybody's like panicking. They're like, "Holy crap!" Mira has the trident. Like everybody's ready to fight. Joker is basically laughing, like, "Yeah, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have no chance beating this dude." Oh my god. Yeah, I- they have tons of like leeway to make movies or shows or anything really off off their other world series series is yeah. there's a limited possibility for them i think oh. that's something they really should try to lean into yeah because they, they can tell so many stories like that's that doesn't have to be canon to just just to see what would happen like i think that'd be right if they did something like that yeah. so overall i do think the snyder cut is definitely a great i definitely think the snyder cut is one of the best comic book films of recent years and of course a major improvement from justice league right right so overall we love the snyder cut now i kind of want to move on we're going to still sort of talk about the snyder cut but i kind of want to move on to all the controversies that dc was being plagued with for the past few years of you know not being like marvel oh y'all were y'all playing catch up when it came to marvel and all that type of stuff i've always been the person like i mentioned earlier dc should never copy marvel dc should never copy marvel dc should be dark their stories 
are some of the darkest stories in comic book history. They have some of the darkest characters in comic book history. The Joker is literally, there's literally a comic where the Joker cuts his own face off and staples it back to his face. Like, granted, Marvel has has some really messed up stories throughout the years. Like, I think there was one story where, of course, the death of Gwen Stacy with Spider-Man where he right. she snaps her neck when Spider-Man catches him. But there's this one story I was reading where uh uh spider-man impregnated mj and she died basically yeah 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 because radioactive you know radioactive man juice i was like that now that is fucked up like literally but brie what are your personal thoughts on a lot of you know mcu fans trashing dc for it now you know when this the Snyder Cut came out, Marvel basically supported Zack Snyder for finishing his vision. You know, the uh, Russo brothers, they supported it. Zack was supporting the MCU and all that. So what were your thoughts throughout the past few years that DC was trying to copy what Marvel was doing, but they should be unique in their own way? What were your thoughts on that? So just like you said, um, for many years, because the MCU started in 2008 with Iron Man. Yep. And the DC film started with, was Man of Steel the first one? Yeah, Man of Steel. And Originally was it was supposed to start, it was 2013. Originally it was going to be, I think, Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds. We all know how that, that was horrible. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Man of Steel came out in 2013. 2013, okay. Yeah, yeah. so I, I do think that when DC started out, they did try to, not with Man of Steel, but maybe a little bit down the line with, let's say maybe... Well, it's very apparent in Batman versus Superman that they're trying to kind of copy Marvel in in terms of building the cinematic universe. But what they didn't, I feel like they didn't do it correctly because they didn't take the time to establish the characters like Marvel did. Yeah, and they shouldn't really be compared. DC and Marvel, they're very two very different things. The only common denominator is superheroes. But they, like you said, very different stories. DC is supposed to be dark and gritty. Marvel isn't supposed to be like that. Well, it's not primarily like that it's more yeah. fantasy and you know that kind of realm um the they did try to throw together a band of superheroes in the original 2017 justice league and it didn't work it fell flat on its face because they tried to do what marvel did too soon marvel put in the time they put in the effort they put in everything to get to where they were to get to where they are still you know in DC, they tried to rush it. Yeah. And it didn't really work out as well. But I, they have found their footing. I can confidently say that. Uh, yeah. Wonder Woman was good. Wonder Woman was 2017. 16, 17? It was, it was 2017. Just as, well, no. Oh, shoot. Uh, uh, Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad was 2016. And then 2017 was Wonder Woman and just Justice League. Okay, yeah. And around 2017, I believe with Wonder Woman is where they really got their footing. They realized, okay, we shouldn't do what Marvel's doing. And I know they shouldn't. They're their own unique brand, but they're, they have tons of strong points, lots of strong characters that they're using now. And I love that. Uh, there's an Adam movie coming out. You know, yeah. they, they're really leaning into, we have these characters and just because they're not the big three, they still get stories to tell too. Yeah. And, you know, ever since then they're 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 climbing uh shazam was good 
Aquaman. Shazam was great. I loved Shazam. I did love Shazam. Uh, Aquaman, some people, a lot of people think that one was good. I thought it was kind of boring. I thought it was, eh. It was like, okay. It was like, it was like this to me. Like, (laughs) this is good. This is ass like this. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad movie. Right, it wasn't Um, bad. They've been on the climb since then. So DC, they are, they're, they're paving their way. Yeah, I think DC is definitely, since the MCU is sort of in a state of limbo, even though WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier are out on Disney+, Plus, I feel like this is DC's time. The 2020s, that's going to be DC's time to actually shine and put all the haters to shame. Because, you know, DC is the originator of comic books. You know, DC came first. Superman is the great granddaddy of all these, of all these niggas, all these superheroes. You know what I'm saying? I just think, and me personally, of course, you should have planned these characters out more instead of Wonder Woman opening an email in Batman v Superman and here are all the character trailers of Cyborg, Flash, and Aquaman. I'm just like... That was real cheap, you know? It was real just shoved in to say, hey, look, we have characters, but that wasn't developed. And one of the things that I definitely think plagues the dceu because that's their you know cinematic universe's name the dc extended universe is studio interference now a lot of comic book films throughout the past few years the past few i thought i heard something past few decades have been affected by studio interference i can remember examples such as spider-man 3 where Sony executives wanted to force Venom into the movie and Sam Raimi didn't like the character of Venom. Sam Raimi has always came out and said he hates the character of Venom. Avi Arad, who is like the main head of Marvel, one of the main heads of Marvel, he was the producer on the Spider-Man films as well as Into the Spider-Verse and then the main Spider-Man films. He was like, listen, in order for people to go to the movie and then the people are going to love the movie even more because Venom was in the film. Right. Me personally, as someone who I don't hate Spider-Man 3, I don't think Spider-Man 3 is bad. Is that, uh, that bad of a film? I think out of all of the worst Marvel movies, this is definitely the most watchable. I thought Venom was ass in that movie. Now, I think the Venom with Tom Hardy, even though that film, I didn't, I was like, eh. Because it's like, what's the point of Venom when you don't have Spider-Man? I thought the design of him, great, great. Uh, another example, what were so you saying? I, I, I liked the Tom Hardy 2015 or 16 Venom. It was 2018. 18, ooh, I'm way yeah. too early. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it came out when we were still in high school. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I went to go see it with some friends. Yeah. Um, I thought that without Spider-Man, that was a solid Venom story, you know, just finding the host first. And then we can yeah. get Spider-Man things eventually. Um, I thought it was solid. It holds up pretty well. And another example of films that were affected by studio interference were a lot of films from 20th Century Fox Marvel Universe, of especially Fantastic Four by Josh right. Trank, right. which was hot garbage. Like, <laughs> and the the other Fantastic Four films are not good either. Yeah, I just think total, I believe, because after that. 2005 when there was Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. And then Fan Forsick in Fan Forsick in 2015 came out when I was a freshman in high school. I, I remember seeing that film with my brother and my cousins, and we all cousin, we all collectively said that was ass. That was hot garbage. Yeah. 
I didn't even I didn't see it uh, until maybe like two years ago because I I saw the original not when it came out but a little bit after my dad had it on DVD and we watched it and as a kid I was like this movie sucks you know as a kid in the superheroes to say of the superhero movie sucks there's got to be yeah. something wrong with it <laughs> yeah and, and and it just really sucks because the direct I really like the director Josh Shrank who directed this film called Chronicle and I was thinking to myself because I actually watched Chronicle a few days ago on spring break. I was thinking to myself, this film is really good. This is a really good, uh, I don't want to say Fantastic Four movie, but this is a solid comic book inspired film. It's a found footage. And you know, that genre of films has become obsolete now. It was a real trend back in the early 2010s, but he took that idea and made a really unique story out of it. Another one is, I would say, and I and I didn't see this film, Dark Phoenix from X-Men, which people said was horrible. And then even when DC, I mean, whoa, when uh <laughs> Disney bought Fox, they was Disney was like, don't release this. D- just just cancel this, like, or something like that, as well as New Mutants, which yes, idea the idea of a Marvel horror film. I think it's perfect. Of course, they're going to be doing that in Doctor Strange too. But I was thinking to myself, because the trailer was perfect, and you know they pushed it back many times, and all yeah, that. I remember hearing about New Moons maybe like 2019, and they're like, "Okay, it's coming out 2021, it's 2021," and we still. I remember hearing it. I remember hearing about it in 2017, and they just kept pushing it back. And then even now with uh, Black Widow, they keep pushing that back, and yeah. I'm just like. I was talking to my brother about that the same uh, a few days ago. So we were watching WandaVision, and, and you know, in the beginning for Marvel, they have all the characters fade in behind the Marvel logo. And I saw Black Widow. I was like, huh, we haven't had any word about that Black Widow movie in how long? And they said uh, they pushed it to 2020. Yeah. 2021. They said at the beginning back in uh, maybe May. And then yeah. May's coming up. They were like, okay, we're well, pushing it further. And yeah, now it's there's no, there's been no word on it. <laughs> I just think yeah. it's very strange. And of course, another film that was affected by studio interference was, of course, Justice League. You know, Zack Snyder, I, I'm i not the biggest Zack Snyder fan when it comes to his films. I do think his films visually incredible. 300, uh, Watchmen, Sucker Punch, I think all of his films visually are great. The thing is, and what I've heard before I started this podcast was the reason why they kind of pushed Zack Snyder to the side is because uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman didn't, they didn't gross a billion dollars because they said that they basically put in the minds that those films flopped basically. And I looked up the box office for both of those films. They most certainly did not fly. Man of Steel grossed about 673 million and Batman v Superman grossed like eight hundred and seventy eight uh million dollars. Mm-hmm. So they made said that one more time. Uh, that's a product again of the Marvel standard. Exactly. You know, they're trying to compare and outdo and match Marvel and their like their their stories, their plots, and now their numbers that's hurting their own franchise because exactly. these these are successful movies. But they're again comparing it to Marvel, Marvel standard. It's not up to their standard, so they're considering it just a flop and 
doing away with it. When they're yeah. DC fans, I want this stuff. I want more of it. Yeah. If, if they and if we got it, then we would turn out for it. Yeah, I mean, DC, like those films are definitely successful. They're not flops at all. When I think of a flop, I think of a film that didn't couldn't even surpass its budget. Because then, oh, when it comes to film distribution, the opening weekend is supposed to the film is supposed to make back its budget opening weekend, and then you know we might see like a drop here and there for budget because you know during the weekday showings, not a lot of people are going to the movies because they're at work, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, Batman v Superman broke records. It broke a lot of records, you know what I'm saying? I think it was like the highest debut in 2016. And I was thinking to myself, I mean, that's perfect because you have two of the biggest characters in pop culture. Like, this ain't no B-list or C-list character like, when Captain America used to be a B-list, C-list character, right. now he's like, it, you know, Marvel's flagship character, right? Marvel's flagship character will always be Spider-Man, but you know, who would have thought Iron Man and Cap would be the two biggest comic book, I mean, characters of all time now, two of People the most like famous. Iron Man and Black Widow are household names now, you know, and they were considered like Z-list. They're they're not like, Jackson, you know. People like Doctor Strange and and Black Panther, which by the way, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Who would have thought those characters? Who would have thought Black Panther, arguably one of the most obscure Marvel characters before that film, would be the highest one of the highest grossing solo films of all right. time? Who who the hell would have thought? Just that? In, not just in the Marvel realm of Universe. all time, right? You know? Right, right. But see, and when it comes to DC um trying to be like Marvel, DC, bro, the in my opinion, I'm gonna be honest with you, Bree. The one film that DC, I mean that Marvel will never top is the Dark Knight, the se- the Dark Knight film from right. Christopher Nolan. That film I think is so good, it is literally better than, in my opinion, anything. Like this film is better than a lot of niggas discography i mean uh filmographies bro like that one film is better than a lot of people's trilogies dark knight uh over iron man trilogy done dark knight over uh thor trilogy done dark knight over justice league done like snyder cut probably not but like Give it time, give it time. <laughs> DC needs, bro, DC needs to get back to their roots. They need to get back to the darkness. The You know, DC, Marvel can be all fun and kid-friendly and all that type of stuff. Granted, they can have a dark movie with, like, Infinity War, Endgame, and Winter Soldier, and Civil War, but they can, you know, be fun. But DC, I, I want that, like, gutter-type shit. You know what I'm saying? That, that coming-out-the-trenches-type yeah. mess, you know? <laughs> Oh man! And I also that to they Warner Brothers needs to pull out of the director's realm. You know, the movies yes. leave it to the directors. Give us their vision, their vision only. Because yes. uh, one of the biggest uh, DC movies with from the, one of the biggest DC movies that suffered the most from uh, executive executive uh, interference, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad had the potential to be one of, like a really good movie. If you watch it, it it's garbage. It's bad. Let me let me tell but, you something, like, Bree. There's a lot of threads in it that you see could lead to something greater if executed differently. When I first saw the trailer for Suicide, the original trailer at San Diego Comic Con, 
I was thinking to myself, oh, this about to be good. Like, first of all, you have David Ayer, one of the best, a really good director, very competent director. The reveal of Jared Leto's Joker. This is when I thought, oh, this, he might surpass Heath Ledger with the, I'm just going to hurt you really, really bad. I was like, oh my God. I was in my bed watching it. I was like, oh my God, this is about to be it. It comes out and I'm thinking to myself, I was in the theater watching it. I'm like, what the hell is this? What was the, tr like, even the logo is was so different. It had Suicide Squad and Gunmetal Gray. And then they was playing all those pop songs and crap and having all the the color was, and stuff. I'm like, why? Like, why? They really like bastardized the movie because the air cut, there, there, yeah. there, and there is an air cut, a David air cut of the movie. Um, I've been you seeing stuff about that. He he had a vision and he executed it, but the, the studio wanted it to be more like 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 we see traces of like all the neon colors and jump on movie posters, and they put in a bunch of uh, songs and stuff like that. But that wasn't the original vision. That's what they yeah. wanted. And they chopped it up a lot to yeah. be what it is today. Yeah, and they like it could it could have been greater. And it is going to be because there's one coming out next year. And it's um James Gunn. Uh James Gunn, yeah. Director, director of, of Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah. But I was thinking because you know, people want the air cut now. It's like, okay, you gave us the Snyder cut. Give us the right. air cut now. Another form, another thing of us bullying them, you know. <laughs> and Warner Brothers is like, Warner Brothers is like, bro, we gave y'all the Snyder cut. Leave us alone, please. But we like, nah, we we want DC fans want all the smoke now. Like we do, like, and it's not that we want smoke. We just want the redemption of these people's vision. Yeah, we bullied them into giving us uh, a Snyder cut, uh, Snyder Zack Snyder's vision he deserved to get it out there and david ayer his uh suicide squad it, it deserves to be watched you know yes. instead of this corporate mess that was that i bet you was made just to sell toys and all that type of stuff because you know to market something right you know but and going back to the snare cut and like i mentioned you know the reason why he stepped down zach snare stepped down was because of the tragic uh suicide of his daughter of yeah his daughter autumn one of the things that I was so happy to see Zack Snyder finish his vision because I feel like this was very therapeutic for him, him and his wife, Deborah Snyder, to, you know, to honor their daughter. You know what I'm saying? Because and that's that's one of the things that I was excited for when they announced it, because I feel like Zack can finally get a sense of closure for missing his daughter. Because, you know, when you lose a family member, it's 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 horrible it's a horrible experience you know what i'm saying and it could take you years to try to get over getting i don't i don't want to say get over because i feel like you can yeah get closer because you can never get over the fact that you lost somebody that you care about and at the end where he says for autumn i was like i that's when i that's when i was that, that hit it did because this that, was that hit it, it, this he, was went hard and he shot for the stars for her I right. that was beautiful. and there's actually um a scene in the flash meets batman and they drive off in his car there's a big poster and it's not it's pretty much the center of the scene but it's you are not it's alone not even, it's not even the 
Berlin. They drive off uh, to the highway and there's a big poster and it's a suicide prevention uh, uh, poster. poster advertising. I love yeah. it. I, I love that. Was, yeah. And, and another uh, scene was when Cyborg, I think, entered into the mother box and he saw his uh, mom and dad and then him, you know, fully human. And I just love the line where he says, I'm not broken and I'm not alone. Right. He knows that even though my family, my, you know, biological family is no longer here, mm-hmm. I have a family with the Justice League. He's a lot of people in the world, yeah, a lot of people in the world they they feel that you know even in high school a lot of kids they might not have the best relationship with their biological family but they could come together as friends they can have friends that they're considered family and right. i just i just adore that and i also That's love beautiful. it really is that, that was beautiful and then i also love when superman says i have a second chance and i'm not gonna waste it I that hit that honestly because I think I heard that in the trailer and I think he said it in the movie that hit different for me because I that was me knowing that you know everything that I've gone through you know in my life I I'm not gonna waste you know any moment of what I have going on now you know I want to you know be remembered years and years in the future you know I want to leave you know my mark on the world and I feel like Clark wanted to you know, that's one of the things he wanted to do was leave his mark on the world, even though he's a, I don't know if Kryptonians are immortal, but you know, even though he's this indestructible godlike figure, he wants to inspire, he wants to give people hope. I right, love that's, that. that's what it's all about for, for Superman's character, hope. <laughs> that, that's what it all comes down to, you know, that symbol on his chest means hope for people, for humans, you know, for he, Earth's savior. Yeah. And yeah. for him to, you know, he has a second chance. He doesn't want to waste it. He, he means that. Meant he's that. Not, he's going to do everything he can to make sure, you know. Exactly. I'm, I'm just so glad that Zack Snyder finished his vision for his daughter because, and, and, you know, him and Deborah Snyder did that because that I can't, I can't imagine the, the amount of pain that they suffered throughout those four years. And, the film that, you know, he was hired to do was being demolished and Frankenstein together into a, a monstrosity. I'm, I'm Zack Snyder definitely got his redemption for for that. And Warner Brothers, y'all need to step y'all's game up for real. Y'all need to stop, you know, interfering with other creatives visions because you guys hired them for a reason. That's why I don't, that's one of the things I don't understand about studio interference. You guys hired these people to take their vision, to take their style and make a unique film. So don't go together, hire some dude who directed a different type, whose style is very different from Zack Snyder's and Franken, demolish and Frankenstein his vision. I'm just, I just love this film. Love this. Put more trust in the directors for sure. Put more trust and, in the directors. Maybe they're not comfortable for for full reigns being a company wanting a product, but they should definitely trust their producers. Now you hire uh, their directors. You hired them for it. You've seen their previous work. That's that's all the uh, portfolio you need. And just you know, let them let them put their stake on it. You know. 
instead of trying to okay you do this and then we'll come in and chop it up some because it never turns out right it never does it never does it never I know one thing when I become a director y'all better not be interfering with my work it's gonna be look it's gonna be release the Walton cut immediately (laughs) I will be your biggest supporter in releasing the Walton cut release the Walton cut (laughs) immediately man I'm really I'm really glad I you know saw the film and I'm glad that I brought you on to talk about it because this is this dynamic y'all for the people watching this dynamic is it's amazing and it's there off screen too we have a group chat where we talk about this kind of stuff anyway so right right (laughs) just just great man but uh yeah any final thoughts brie about the snyder cut and dc in general um they're definitely on the up and up snyder cut was a step in and hopefully we'll get more stuff like this in the future hopefully hopefully we get more of course keep restore the snyder cut trending on twitter i think i i heard on twitter that it's like the most uh hat the most like viewed hashtag of all time i think keep on y'all keep on doing it keep on rocking but uh and, and we, we can do this i know we can yeah. we, we got the snyder cut we got the suicide squad and this is this was a little bit more uh in the past but we got young justice back you know keep, keep young justice <laughs> You know, keep uh, there was a hashtag keep bringing YJ, and we got a third season and all the way to a fourth, you know. Yeah, so we're we- getting a fourth, bro, bro, bro. Restore the Snyder Cut, Warner <laughs> Brothers, immediately. Like, I'm not <laughs> playing, but yeah, uh, we've been going, damn, I think we've been going on for an hour and 30 minutes, but we still gonna continue like after you know this is over, right. but uh, yeah, y'all, I'm 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 excited, I'm happy. I'm happy about this but um thank you brie for coming on to the 1025 podcast this probably wouldn't be this probably isn't gonna be the last time i might make this into like a little segment of the the podcast where i do like a conversation with somebody about a film or something like that but uh yeah thank y'all for watching thank you for having me uh hopefully we can do this again sometimes of course it's always great talking to you miss you i haven't seen you in like two years it's been it's been been too long it's been a minute bro but yeah thank y'all for watching the 1025 podcast i'm I'm gonna call this 1025 in conversation that's what i'm gonna call it thank y'all for watching like the first segment of 1025 in conversation i'm jordan along with brie and i'll see y'all next time peace